Trump is found liable for battering defamation and the total weaponization of the justice system is in full effect. This is the Propaganda Report's Drive Time News Blast. I am Brad Binkley. Top story. I think you know what it is. A federal jury has found former President Trump liable for battery and defamation in a lawsuit brought by writer E. Jean Carroll, who says he raped her in a Manhattan department store in the mid-90s. Her story is basically that they ran into each other on the streets of New York City, and Trump invited her to come up into the department store with him to help him shop for a gift for another woman. They were walking around shopping, having a good time. It was very flirtatious, and they ultimately ended up in a dressing room together when all of a sudden things took a turn when Trump laid a kiss on her, pushed her back against the wall, pulled down her stocking with one hand, and then raped her in that changing room. Now, there were no witnesses to what happened, nor was there any camera footage from the store. Carol was unable to recall the precise date that it happened or even the year that it happened in, and she didn't go public with a claim until after her 2019 book, What Do We Need Men For?, in which she discusses the claim, was published, and the main evidence supporting her claim at trial was the testimony of two friends who she says she told about the incident after it happened. That's not much evidence there. However, this was not a criminal case. So the burden of proof is much lower. Instead of having to prove the case beyond a reasonable doubt, the, uh, the accuser's lawyers, her lawyers, only had to show a preponderance of evidence, meaning that they only had to convince the jury that it is more likely than not that Trump raped her, which they were unable to do. So naturally, the jury did what every jury that's not convinced of a rape claim does. They awarded the accuser $5 million anyway. Makes perfect sense, right? Well, in order to help us untangle this perplexing outcome of this trial, we're going to go to the NPR story on what happened. You see on screen there, headline, a jury finds Trump liable for battery and defamation in E. Jean Carroll trial. The article says, the nine jurors who deliberated for barely three hours before reaching their unanimous conclusion did not find that Trump raped Carroll. I'll say that again from NPR. They did not find that Trump raped Carol, but they agreed that he sexually abused her and that he defamed her when he denied her story. Carol was awarded $5 million in total damages for both claims. Now, let me get this straight. According to NPR, the jury did not find that Trump raped her, while at the same time, they found that Trump's denial of the rape defamed her. We agree with you, sir, but we're sorry here in New York City to deny a rape accusation is de facto defamation, just the way it works here. Is this a precedent being set here if you're a public figure with lots of money? I mean, don't ever go to New York if you're a wealthy public figure, by all means. I mean, I'll accuse you of something if this is a standard going on there. It's not just his denial outright of the rape that's why they found him liable for defamation. It's also apparently because of social media posts denying the incident ever happened altogether, saying he didn't know her and claiming that she made up the story to sell her book, which there's no evidence that that could be the case. The jury, according to NPR, the court documents, I have not found them yet. I don't think they're out yet. They found that Trump's statements were made with actual malice, meaning with the knowledge that it was false or with reckless disregard of whether it was false or not. So 
with actual malice is the standard you have to meet for defamation when it is a public figure. And apparently this lady is considered to be a public figure. But with actual malice means that Trump, like it says, he knew that it was false. So he was intentionally lying to defame her. But it wasn't about the the rape part because the jury seemed to agree with that. Was it about the the part about him saying she did it for her book? Was it the part about him saying she's not his type? Because apparently they ended the trial with the Carol's lawyer saying he is her type. Like that was a big triumph. Like, like that's is that what they proved? We we have case closed. We have proved that this woman is Donald Trump's type. I, I don't know. I, I'm interested in reading the court documents on how this whole thing went down. I think it'll probably be entertaining, uh, to say the least. But back to this preponderance of evidence, the jury, to come to this conclusion, they would have had to not believe that it was more likely than not that, that Trump raped her. So it was less likely that that happened, while also believing that it was more likely that Trump sexually abused her than not. So it, it's like they they believe everything up until the point of Trump kissing her and maybe pushing her against the wall and nothing after that. So they, they believe 80, 90, 95% of the story, but that last 10% where the rape happens, that's where they, they say, we don't believe it anymore. Maybe it's just with such scant evidence as what was seemingly presented I mean, really, very little evidence. It's hard to have evidence for that. But they, it, the thing that stands out to me, one of the things, of the many things, is that she didn't know the date or the year that it happened. And that stands out to me because Trump cannot provide an alibi if she doesn't provide a day or even a year. So he can have his calendars, his appointments. He, I'm sure he had somebody keeping all that for him back then. If she were to give a day, then he could say, I wasn't there that day. Look at my calendar. I was here that day. And the whole case falls apart. That is a little suspicious to me. Here's why I think they were able to find him guilty of sexual abuse while not going as far as rape. The standard set by the jury instructions. The jury instructions, I tried to find them. I can see the questions the jury was asked, but not the actual instructions, but there was a little bit of reporting on what some of the instructions said. Apparently, the judge asked the jury to consider whether Trump raped her. That's one, and he defines that for them. And he also asked them to consider whether Trump sexually abused her or forcibly touched her. And then he said this to them, anything from a gentle but unwanted peck on the cheek to stabbing someone with a knife could be battery for purposes of a civil case like this one. So, and that's what ultimately the charge, this is a, a charge of battery and defamation. Liable for, not like conviction, which that's a lot of people I, I see on CNN, their viewers are very confused about. I guess they convinced them that the unwanted kiss, the jury, was real, but that the jury wasn't convinced that the full rape was. It's easier to believe that he gave an unwanted peck than the entirety of her story, even though the main claim that she has been telling in this story 
for three years now, since her book came out, is that he raped her, even though she stopped calling it rape at one point. I'm sure that worked against her if they played some of that audio. And the main claim of this case is rape. And this is the best part of the story right here, in my opinion. In a statement afterwards, Carol said, Today the world finally knows the truth. This victory is not just for me, but for every woman who has suffered because she was not believed. She wasn't believed. This woman was not believed. Her main claim was rape, and the jury did not believe it. And yet she's out there calling this a victory for all women who haven't been believed. I mean, from her perspective, I mean, I guess it kind of was a victory for women who haven't been believed because the jury was like, we don't believe you. And therefore, here's five million dollars. So, yeah, that is I would be calling that a victory as well. If I presented my case, the jury didn't believe it and they still gave me five million dollars. Victory. Not a victory for all women who haven't been believed. I think she's the first woman who hasn't been believed who was still awarded $5 million. So I don't know that all of the other ones are celebrating that victory quite like she is. What? That, that is ridiculous. I'm not trying to be insensitive. I, I just don't believe this woman. She comes off as someone who's not telling the truth to me. This whole case relies on her word and the word of two of her buddies. That's basically it. And in the absence of evidence, all you can do is evaluate based on the person's words and actions. And her not knowing the year when this happened, that's, that's a red flag to me. Just as is her strange victory statement, just as is all of the, the interviews that she did with CNN and MSNBC back when she first came out with these accusations during what people in public relations might call a book tour. Nothing but red flags to me. You've probably seen some of these clips, and I'm not going to go through too much of them, but just as a refresher. So you were in, in you say you were in Bergdorf Goodman. I was coming out of Bergdorf's. Which was, was a store I heard you liked a lot. It's a posh and cozy. And Her whole just, face lights up when you talk about Bergdorf. I just, I, Her whole face lights up when she talks about a place she claims to have been raped at. She calls it posh and cozy. Those don't seem like words that people would normally use to describe a place where something like that happened to them at. And she goes there all the time. I, maybe I'm wrong, but it just doesn't seem like people frequently go back and visit the place that they were raped at if they don't have to. I could be way off on that. This just seems like an odd way to be giddily telling a story about such a awful incident an awful awful thing to happen to somebody i was just there today i just loved it so just there today she just loves it listen to this one and so we went up the escalator we went to the lingerie department it was empty there was nobody there there was nobody on the whole floor frankly um I think you go through bathing suits and crews. Where the the store was not popular at the time. Nobody was there on the counter. That's going to sound strange, people. That nobody was in the because Bergdorf's is the greatest store on the earth. They take care of whatever you want there. There, Mm -hmm. if you're thirsty, they'll bring you water. They'll get you whatever. They'll call all over the country to get whatever you want. It was a moment in time. Nobody was there. Uh, Plus. A dressing room door was open, which is very unusual because usually they're locked. Mm. And the attendant comes and locks it, escorts you in, etc. Okay. 
If you're thirsty, they'll bring you water. They'll take care of whatever you need. Call around the country. They got you. That is unless a rape is going on. Then you better not get thirsty because there's no one to be found. And no one was on that floor in this store. This store is located on Fifth Avenue in Manhattan. It's been around since 1899. It's not just one of the most famous stores in New York City. It's one of the most famous stores in the country. It's in a whole bunch of movies. There's people bustling around there, in there all the time. You can tell Anderson Cooper recognizes the BS that she's putting forth there. It's ridiculous. And not only was it uncharacteristically empty that day, but, I mean, you can't get into a dressing room at the Goodwill without a key. But on that day, in this luxury department store, there happened to be a dressing room door open, strangely. All of the pieces just fall together for this story. It's a little strange. Watch this one here. She's telling the story about what happens in the dressing room. And watch her when Anderson Cooper asked her why she started laughing. This was kind of a, a New York moment. Like oh, one of the those best things. New York. Just like the best New York. Donald Trump is going to put on a filmy bodysuit. It's like, oh, I couldn't. So he, let's go in the dressing room. Have you ever seen someone recount their story of such an awful moment with such glee? I thought, yeah, I'm going to make him put pants on. Walked in. And the minute I was in there, he shut the door and pushed me up against the wall and bang, bang my head on the wall and kissed me. I just, it was so shocking. I couldn't, of course, I started laughing again um, because- You started laughing? Of course. What, what, why? What, why, of course? Because it was a way of, if it was at all erotic in his part, it would, if a man is laughed at, it usually will make him, uh, um, um, and he put his shoulder against me to hold me against the wall. And at that point, I realized that I was in a very... You notice she didn't answer the question about the laughing. She just changed the subject back to the story she was, I think she had rehearsed. And, and Anderson doesn't go back to it. Just something that's stuck out to me, and I'm sure you guys have seen this one. You don't feel like a victim. I was not thrown on the ground and ravished, which the word rape carries so many sexual connotations. This was not... This was not sexual. It just, it, it hurt. It just, what, it just, you know. But I think most people think of rape as a, I mean, it is a violent assault. It is not. I think sexual. most people think of rape as being sexy. Mm. Let's take a short break. Think of the fantasies. Mm. <laughs> We're just going to take a quick break. If you can stick around, we'll talk more on the other side. You're fascinating to talk to. She's looking at Anderson Cooper like she wants to push him up against the back of a wall in a dressing room. Also, somebody should hook her up with Bernie Sanders, as we all know that he loves to write essays about rape fantasies. I don't know. I just don't believe her. I don't, I disbelieve her so much. If I had $5 million, I'd give it to her immediately. That's how much I don't believe her. I'm not trying to be insensitive. She just comes off as a pathological liar to me. I've talked about meeting a pathological liar, or knowing one for the first time, really a real pathological lie, how it changes the way you view the world. Because before that, you don't realize how capable some people are of actually committing to lies for such an extended period of time. 
and such big lies. She kind of seems like somebody like that to me. Now, that doesn't mean that somebody like that can't have something bad happen to them. Of course they could. Maybe Trump did it. Maybe I'm way off on this, but there's just not any evidence that he did it. Never seen a flimsier case, and she's not helping herself in the way she's presenting it. Obviously, Trump's going to appeal this. His lawyers already announced that. But how long is that going to take? That's probably going to take until after the election, at least, or at least up and up until near it. And maybe they can expedite it. I don't know. But whatever. I think it'll probably take until near the election. And that'll give the media exactly what they wanted. This talking point that they'll be able to propagate up until people cast their votes, which they'll be able to call Trump the uh, presidential candidate who's been liable for sexual abuse, they'll start saying they'll, that will morph into convicted. They'll say he's been convicted and, or he's guilty of sexual assault, which is not the case. That would be a criminal proceeding. I mean, I was watching Jake Tapper report this story when it initially broke today, and he said during his show, he said, I'm getting a lot of questions. Uh, people asking, is Trump going to have to register as a sex offender? As though Trump had been found guilty in a criminal court for a sex crime which this is not even close to that. This is civil court. You're not even found guilty in civil court. You're found liable, in this case, liable for battery and defamation. That's what he was found liable for here. And yet, Tapper's getting all these people, CNN viewers, asking if Trump's going to have to register as a sex, sex offender. Why are they asking that? Probably because CNN and MSNBC misled their viewers for the entirety of this case. All the headlines were the Trump rape trial, Trump on trial for rape, as though Trump is sitting in the courtroom handcuffs behind his back, been in a holding cell for months because he's being criminally charged with rape. They've been intentionally misleading them because they have to lie. The truth is never enough. They have to lie all the time. Maybe stop lying, Tapper, and you won't have people asking that question during the, the middle of this breaking news and all your viewers be disappointed that he's not going to be on the sex offender list. One other thing, and this is weird, the jury is completely anonymous to both sides, which means during the jury selection, you can't go look at their social media and see if you can find any bias one way or another. And the judge here was keeping the jurors' identities secret from both sides' lawyers because, and this is what he said, if jurors' identities were disclosed, there would be a strong likelihood of unwanted media attention to the jurors' influence attempts and or of harassment or worse, of the jurors by supporters of Mr. Trump. That's a quote in NPR of what the judge said. That sounds a little biased to me. And really, is it more likely that these jurors would be harassed by Trump supporters trying to get them to find him not liable or that they'd be getting harassed by Trump haters, rabid Trump haters, trying to make sure they do find him liable? I don't think it's so clear cut there. I mean, if these jurors came out and said who they are, they would become instant celebrities. They'd be interviewed on MSNBC, CNN, featured 60 Minutes. They'd probably get a book deal. They would become heroes to the anti-Trump movement. They could just move to Portland or something. I don't think the it's just a what a biased thing for a judge to say. I think this. Actually, I don't know if it'll get thrown out. It should get thrown out, probably. But I don't think we're operating by the letter of the law at this point. I think it's weaponized judicial system. I will tell you this, though. Maybe there were uh, a few jurors on there who wanted to find Trump liable for rape as well, who might feel that the reason they were not able to is because there were a few other jurors who just didn't hate Trump 
enough. It wouldn't surprise me if we see some of these jurors doxing each other and blaming each other for not getting the full rape talking point, the full rape liability. Maybe. Could possibly happen. One other thing. I don't know if they made this argument, Trump's lawyers, but what she described kind of sounds like Trump's locker room talk where he says, you walk up to him, you kiss him, you grab him by the... She kind of described that happening to her. And her lawyers like petitioned to get that introduced as evidence and played to show a pattern of behavior. Now, that video came out years before she wrote this book and made this claim. If I was his lawyers, and maybe they did, I, I would float the argument that maybe she got the story. Maybe it was inspired a bit by that Trump tape. And maybe I'm way off on this. I could be way off on all of this. I could be a giant jerk right now. It's like a challenge of being a skeptic. It's like atrocity propaganda. You see something that looks like textbook atrocity propaganda. You know that atrocities are, are real and they happen. You also know that atrocity propaganda is real and it happens. Has been, has been used throughout the history of war. If you say something about it before it's exposed, well, then you're all of a sudden a jerk. Because that's how atrocity propaganda works. I mean, we saw some of it at the beginning of the Ukraine war. That was, in fact, exposed. And until it was exposed, everybody who said, hey, that doesn't look right, was like, how dare you question that? The babies and incubators thing. That's why it works, man. You know, I'm no Trump defender. There's evidence that he does something, whether it's in regards to this person or another, then by all means, he should be held accountable. But I am also no proponent of the hashtag believe all women movement that slogan that emerged with the hashtag me too which she echoed in her victory statement that she said earlier what a dumb thing you shouldn't hashtag believe all anybody that's just that just makes you vulnerable to being you're like the most manipulatable person on the planet if that is a slogan that you commit to it's a brainwashing critical thinking short-circuiting technique it's wrong to even question it. I mean, you are a slave if you adapt that type of mentality in regards to any group, any person, anything. So I don't mean to sound like a jerk. I hope that I didn't. I probably did. Anyway, we're witnessing the total weaponization of the justice system, and it's not only going to apply to one side or the other. So as long as we allow this to be a thing... It's going to continue to be a thing. And it's only a thing because of the effective propaganda that surrounds it. That's the only reason that it works. You buy into the propaganda, then this type of thing happens. And I know a bunch of people are going to be happy that this is happening, but they won't be when it's happening on the other side. We've got to stop falling for the divide and conquer bait. Oh, listen to this. This is kind of funny. This is Trump's lawyer, Joe Capina, I guess is his name. He's speaking to the press after the jury came out with their conclusion. And this is on CNN, so I think that I can air it. Earmuff warning, because you're going to hear someone in the background yelling while he's trying to talk. That's all I'm playing it for, is so you can hear this guy heckling him as he talks to the press. Again, this is Trump's lawyer. But again, they, they found him not liable for, for the rape. Fucking years ago. What do you make of the fact that they decided? Now, the guy, his lawyer, Trump's lawyer, just stopped 
talking, and he just turned around, looking like he's like, I'm looking for the guy. What's that guy calling me a Neanderthal? You want to come say that to my face, pal? He's got that kind of look on his face, like he's about to pull out some brass knuckles, and I'm going to show him what a, what a Neanderthal I am. What do you think of the fact that they so quickly decided on sexual abuse but didn't go as far as saying this? Yeah, it's uh, what I said earlier. Okay, yeah, so that goes on for a minute. He just calls him a Neanderthal. You're effing Neanderthal. And it wouldn't surprise me if that guy went over and talked to the guy. In fact, at the end of this, he he says, I think, I'm going to go there and I'm going to talk to my friend. I think he does say that. Hold on. Let's see. Which is a bit inconsistent right it's a bit inconsistent because all along she claimed this was a rape not that she wasn't certain if it was a rape it was a rape and she said that and they were jury rejected it so it's hard to sort of square that with the rest of the verdict but it's a good question i just don't i'm a little perplexed guys honestly in that regard okay i'm gonna go now i have a fan that wants to talk to me over there so i'm gonna go address him he's gonna go address the fan i wonder if he went over and talked to that guy now that would have been some good breaking news. Breaking, the face of that Democrat is what Trump's lawyer appears to be doing while still taking questions. And that judge said that Trump's supporters are the ones that the jury had to worry about harassing them. Whoever's yelling at Trump's lawyer, he won. Like, he's getting what he wanted, and he's still just yelling at the lawyer, yelling at a guy who... It's a good bet could probably whip his ass. People need to just be cool, man. Man, everybody just needs to take a breath. And that's where I'm going to end the show for today. Thank you guys for listening, for watching, and we'll talk to you next time. Have a fantastic rest of your day.